Good day, sports fans, bettors, and cappers, and welcome to the Daily Competitive Hedge Podcast. I'm your host to the show, Kenneth Cotterell, and this show is all about sports and the world of betting. We talk about a few results from yesterday's games and headlines, as well as get into today's betting slate, talking about what games are on and which bets we like. And it's a busy day today, World Juniors quarterfinals. We got the WNBA playoffs kicking off, and then we have some MLB action as well. So our episode today is brought to you by our sponsor, Bet99. Bet99 is a Canadian sportsbook and casino that offers in-play betting, player props, a cash-out option, and many, many more great products. There are a variety of sports to bet on on their website, including NHL, NBA, NFL, and MLB. Bet99 works smoothly on both desktop and mobile, and the Bet99 mobile app can be downloaded from the homepage of the website. Depositing and withdrawing funds is hassle-free, with a number of well-known methods available to use, so you know your money is safe and secure. The website can be viewed in both English and French, and customer service is available 24-7 with their live chat option. So go to bet99.com today to make an account. Use promo code SHOOTERS at sign-up to get started and please gamble responsibly you must be 19 plus years of age to do so now talking about yesterday's games we went 0-5 on the MLB side but 2-0 on the player props side I mean we have Padres money line they lose 4-3 you have the Yankees in Tampa Bay over 7 they win the Tampa Bay wins 3-1 so low scoring game there you have Houston money line versus the White Sox they lose 4-3 you have the Dodgers money line versus Milwaukee. They lose 5-4 to four in the 11th inning. And then you have Arizona and San Fran over 8. They miss 2-1 to one there. But we did have Cortez under 6.5 Ks and Spring under 4.5 Ks as well. Just overall a tough day. I mean, when you have both pitchers in a matchup go under on their Ks and you still can't hit the over, then it's just one of those days. So we're getting back into things today. I think we ruined our mojo by not doing a live show yesterday morning and instead doing a little bit too much research and a little bit too much uh, overthinking of things. So let's focus on today's slate, but we got to recap a few other games from yesterday first. The Phillies, they win 11-4 to over the Reds, an offensive explosion for uh, the Phillies who won their 10,000th game in the MLB. So shout out to the Phillies. Then you had the Cubs. They won 7-5 over the Nationals in the 11th inning. We had the Red Sox won 5-3 over the Pirates. Nick Pavetta threw 6 Ks over 7 innings pitched. Then you have the Orioles beat the Blue Jays once again 4-2. These Orioles are surging right now, and the Blue Jays are slumping at a bad time. Uh, So they pick up the win there. The Tigers beat the Guardians 4-3 yesterday. Garrett Hill with three Ks over six innings for the Tigers. Then you have the Braves five to nothing over the Mets. 
Morton pitched a gem yesterday, 12 Ks over six and two thirds innings pitched. So great result for them. The Twins win nine to nothing over the Royals. Sonny Gray, 10 Ks over six innings in his own right. Great performance by him. Then you have St. Louis five to four over the Rockies. You had the A's five to one over the Rangers. And then to cap it off, the Mariners eight to two over the LA Angels. Now, we didn't bet any of the English Championship stuff yesterday with the League Cup. Uh, we did like Watford, but they drew yesterday. We liked QPR. They lost outright, and we liked Burnley, and they drew. So glad that we didn't have those as official plays yesterday. All three of them we were looking at as potentially uh, great bets, and so those ones did not hit yesterday. But let's focus on what's happening today um, with our World Juniors coverage. So You've got Finland and Germany as the first game that kicks it off. You got Finland to her minus three and a half at minus 115. Now, the over under last night was seven. It's since dropped six and a half. I do like Finland to cover that today. Germany's had a great tournament, but I think that they are a bit outmatched in this quarterfinal. This won't be an official betting play, but we do lean Finland on this one. I see this game finishing in the five to one, maybe six to two range. They're going to cover it, but barely. And then Finland will move on to the quarterfinals. Now, Sweden versus Latvia, that's another game to keep an eye on today. It's the second quarterfinal of the day. Um, betting lines have already shifted from when we looked last night, as we have Sweden are now minus 105 at minus 3.5. They were minus 120 last night. Uh, the over-under in this game has dropped to 6. It was 7 last night. I do actually think Latvia is going to cover this spread. Not an official play once again, but I think Sweden, they are going to win this game, but they haven't had a lot of scoring in this tournament. I think it's going to be closer to 4-1, to 4-2 to two type range. Uh, so that's where we're leaning with the Sweden game. Canada, this is the big one. This will be the one that most people are tuning into. They're minus 5.5 versus the Swiss today. I'm not too sure why it's as steep as it is. Switzerland's played a lot of tight games. Their lone blowout loss was to the U.S., and Canada's kind of been up and down, so a bit confused by this one. This will be an official betting play that we'll talk about in a little bit, which way we're leaning. Then we have the U.S. there, minus three, and it was minus three and a half yesterday. It's minus two and a half today versus the Czech Republic. Minus two and a half is minus 143. I like it now that it's minus two and a half. Uh, I was a bit unsure when it was three and a half, so I would lean USA to win this game today by a couple goals over the Czechs, five to two type range. Um, potentially 6-2, but I do think the U.S., they are one of the four best teams in this tournament, and they're going to prove it today. Then we have the New York Liberty. They're plus eight today in WNBA playoff action against the Chicago Sky. Now, this is one of the more intriguing matchups for me in this opening round because they played them relatively tight all regular season. Now, Chicago, they are the defending champs. The Liberty, though, they're an upstart team. They have Sabrina Ionescu on this team. Now, I'm not saying that there's an upset to be had here, but given that they played them as tight as they did, I think they're going to put up a good fight here. Do I think they have the potential to steal a game when the Liberty are at home? Yes, I do. So I would take, uh, if I was betting this game, Chicago uh, and New York under 166 because they were playing in that 160 range all regular season, and I think it's going to be there once again today. Then we have the Phoenix Mercury taking on the Vegas Aces. Unfortunately, this would have been a great matchup last year, but no Skylar Diggins, no Brittany Griner, no Diana Taurasi. 
I just see no chance for Phoenix to win this one. The Aces are the best team right now. They're minus 15 today, though. I don't love taking a 15-point spread in a playoff game. While I do think the Aces should be able to cover that against a depleted Mercury side, just not willing to go out on a limb that much in order to uh, to roll with that play. So going to fade the Aces today. Instead, just going to watch as a fan of the team. And I do believe that they're going to get a result today. Um, it's just by how much. Now let's talk MLB lines for today. Um, we've got the Phillies and Reds today. You got Suarez versus Lodolo. The Phillies are minus 150 today. The over-under is 8.5. Now, Suarez has been pretty good as of late. Um, Lodolo a little bit less so, but I kind of lean the over 8.5 here. I'm going to stay away from this game. It's a 12-30 first pitch, so going to stay away on this one. But nonetheless, I do think that uh, Suarez is going to pitch relatively well. It's just how well Lodolo does. Then you got Smiley versus Abbott as the Cubs are minus 155 versus the Nationals. Now, this was a high-scoring game yesterday. I lean the under nine today. I don't think either of these offenses can put out the output they did yesterday. There's a reason why they're near the bottom of the MLB, both of these sides. So I would lean the under, but not an official play. Twins minus 200 versus the Royals today. Tyler Mall taking on Lynch. Uh, I actually like the under eight here. I think Mall's going to pitch well. And I don't trust the Royals offense overall either. So that would be my early lean. Obviously not taking a minus 200 money line. So otherwise we'll stay away from that one. The Jays and Orioles. I don't know what to make of this one. I think a lot of people will jump on the Orioles because of how well they've played this year against the Jays. But Stripling on the mound, he's a 5-3 and three record with a 3.16 ERA. If the Jays are going to right the ship, it's got to be on a day like today. It's first pitch is just past 3 p.m. Eastern time but I'm staying away from this game because I really don't know which way to go with either of these teams. Then you have the Mariners minus 200 versus the Angels. You got Kirby versus Toussaint. Uh, I would lean the over in this game. Uh, I do like Kirby quite a bit, but Toussaint not as much. So that would be my early lean on that game. Padres versus Marlins. You got Clevenger and Lopez on the mound. I like the Padres minus 150, but they haven't been playing great baseball lately. So I'm staying away from this game. Once again, the Padres have burned me the last couple days, uh, so I'm not going to be jumping back on the wagon just yet. Not until they figure things out. They haven't been the same since the Tatis suspension. Then you have the Yankees minus 145 versus the Rays, but the Yankees are ice cold right now. I'm not betting either one of these teams. I think at some point this Yankees offense has to figure it out. I just don't know if that's today with Kluber on the mound. He's got a little bit of added motivation against his old team. Then you've got Red Sox minus 150 versus the Pirates. We'll talk more about that one in a little bit. you got Tigers and Guardians, Norris versus Quantrill. The Guardians are minus 210 today. Once again, I'm not going to bet this game, but if I had a lean, it would be Guardians, likely taking their run line as well at plus 105. I do like that value, but staying away from that one. Mets and Braves will touch on in a little bit. Rockies and Cardinals will touch on in a little bit. But the final four games on the slate, you got Rangers and A's. Rangers are minus 165 today. Reagans versus Oler, staying away from that game altogether. You've got Kopech versus Valdez. I do like Houston today. They're minus 150 on the road, but going to stay away after they burned us yesterday. Dodgers burned us yesterday, but I would still bet in a parlay with the Dodgers money line today at minus 175. You got Gonsolin taking on Lauer. 
for whatever reason, the Dodgers always show up when Gonsolin's on the mound. He's 14 and one this year. And so I would lean betting Dodgers in that one. And then you have the Giants minus 210 versus the Diamondbacks. Davies versus Rodon. They burned us yesterday. We're staying away from that game today. Now, that's pretty much all the games that are on the slate today. If you're looking at English Championship Soccer, uh, you've got Stoke versus Middlesbrough, Reading versus Blackburn Rovers, Sheffield United versus Sunderland, and West Brom versus Cardiff City. If I'm leaning any of those teams, it's probably West Brom, but staying away from championship until it becomes a little bit more clear who the contenders are for moving up to the Premier League. So with that, let's get into the early hedge five. These are our official morning plays, the five that we're going to be rolling with later on today, three of which will be in a parlay, two of them just straight up, but really love the value of these plays. And so this is the card that we're rolling with, starting with Boston Moneyline versus Pittsburgh at minus 150. Rich Hill is on the mound. Now he's given up 11 earned runs in his last three starts combined. Pirates have Ronzi Contreras. He's only given up uh, a few runs over his last few starts, but he also got blown up in one of those starts where he gave up seven earned runs. Now the Red Sox, they're four games back in the wild card. Uh, maybe this is a bit of a homer pick given that I'm a Red Sox fan, but I do think that they need a good series here. They got the win yesterday, pick up another win today against the lowly Pirates on the road. So I like the minus 150. Then I'm rolling with Atlanta Braves money line versus the New York Mets at plus 130. And people might think that I'm crazy. You're betting against Max Scherzer. I like Odorizzi quite a bit. And we're talking about a Braves team. They've won eight games in a row, whereas the Mets have lost two straight. I think both of those streaks continue today. The Braves pick up another huge win, extend their winning streak to nine, and Odorizzi picks up the win. Scherzer's not going to win every start. And I think with this Braves lineup, he may struggle a bit today. Then you've got the Rockies versus Cardinals over seven and a half. At plus 100, you got Marquez and Montgomery on the mound for either team. They're two good pitchers, but they're not great pitchers. And actually, to be honest, Marquez might even be closer to average than good. Um, he has over a five ERA. You've got Montgomery. He's been a bit banged up since he was traded from the Yankees. And so I think one, if not both of them, get roughed up pretty early in this one. We could see this over hit before we even hit the seventh inning. That's just what I'm thinking about this game. It's plus money, and I think it's great value today. Coming off a bit of a lower scoring game between these two sides. Then you've got Switzerland, plus five and a half versus Canada. Might get deported for this pick because I am a Canadian. But outside of the U.S. game, the Swiss have kept a lot of their games close. Canada, they've been hit and miss when it comes to blowing teams out. Now, while I do believe Canada is going to win this game by three or four goals, getting to the six-goal mark in a quarterfinal is tough even against not a great Swiss team. They've had better teams in the past, but they're going to compete. I think we see this game being pretty close up until the third period, and then Canada opens it up a little bit, but they don't get to that six-goal lead mark. So I'm taking the Swiss plus 5.5 at minus 112. And then the Chicago Sky, New York Liberty under 166 that we mentioned earlier. These teams play a lot of close games. I'm looking forward to seeing how Candace Parker versus Sabrina Ionescu looks. A great matchup, and so I'm stoked for WNBA playoffs, taking the under in that first game tonight. But thank you, everyone, for listening. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, stay tuned. The Las Vegas Raiders preview part of the show is coming up right away here. Welcome back to the Competitive Hedge Podcast. It is August 17th. 
which means it is our 17th NFL team preview. We are officially past the halfway point of our 32-team NFL preview episodes. Now, yesterday the discussion was all about the Kansas City Chiefs. Thanks once again to Harrison Brooks, big Chiefs fan and friend of the show, for coming on and talking about his team, who he titled as a Super Bowl or bust team. Now, the team today comes from that exact same division. That was a a playoff team last year. That is the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, I'm running solo today for this show, for this Raiders preview, but this is certainly a fun team to discuss, and I'm really looking forward to talking about those Las Vegas Raiders. So let's preview them, starting with the recap of their 2021-2022 season. And to say that the Raiders were one of the most interesting teams of the season would be a massive understatement, both on and off the field. So on the field, you know, the Raiders, they go 10 and 7 last year. Very rocky year from a franchise perspective. Now, early on, they face allegations against their coach, John Gruden, who had to resign after starting 3 and 2 on the year. They bring in the interim coach, Rich, who stepped in and he went 7 and 5 the rest of the way. Now, It wasn't just the coaching issues. There was also player issues. Now you had the Henry Ruggs situation, the young promising wide receiver for the Raiders that unfortunately makes a terrible life decision and gets involved in a fatal car crash while under the influence, killing somebody and in the process ends up getting released. Now the Raiders playoff hopes looked dead uh, in the water after week 14. They're sitting at six and seven look like they're going to be heading home early for the year. But they rallied late. They won four straight games down the stretch. They beat the Browns, the Broncos, the Colts, and then the Chargers the final week to steal the five seed in the AFC. Now, ultimately, their season falls short. They lose to the Cincinnati Bengals in the wildcard round, 26-19. to But to call it a hard season for the franchise as a whole, you have to say that that's exactly what it was. The players themselves who didn't go out and make those poor decisions, they deserve a ton of credit for going out, winning games on the football field. And those who conducted themselves in a professional manner deserve that praise. Now, multiple off-the-field issues by the players and coaches made it tough to call it a successful year from an organization standpoint. Now, heading into 2022-2023, those players and coaches that are gone, uh, best of luck to them. However, this is a clean slate this year for this Raiders team, a chance to compete once again. And unfortunately, they're competing in one of the toughest divisions in the league. I would say the toughest division in the AFC West. So when it comes to offseason moves for this team, they made quite a few splashes this uh, offseason, starting with they go out, they improve the defense by getting Chandler Jones. He comes over from the Cardinals. And then they also get linebacker Kenny Young from Denver. Now, they did dump Yannick Ngakwe to the Colts, which makes the Colts team much better. Obviously, a big loss for the Raiders. But on the offensive side, and the biggest move that everyone's talking about is getting Devontae Adams from the Green Bay Packers in a major trade. They give him the extension that he was looking for to get paid as one of the best receivers. However, they did give up their first and second rounder that year. So now, draft-wise, they go out, they get Dylan Parham from Memphis in the third round to protect Derek Carr, but outside of that, not a lot of noteworthy draft picks. So how is this offense going to look this year for the Raiders? I think it's littered with weapons. When we start talking about the backfield, 
when Josh Jacobs is healthy, he's one of the better running backs in the NFL. They also added some depth there. They brought in Brandon Bolden. They still have Kenyon Drake there. So lots of options coming out of that backfield. But they also have a trio of a tight end and two wide receivers that is going to be absolutely lethal and tough to stop because of what they do. Devontae Adams, he was force-fed by Aaron Rodgers. I think we could see a similar thing here with Derek Carr. They had a relationship prior to coming into this season, and so I think overall they're going to have a great relationship. Hunter Renfro, we're talking about a guy that was one of the best fantasy options last year. He's kind of that slot receiver that Carr leaned on a lot last year, and so I think he shows a ton of promise heading into this season as well. And then you've got Darren Waller where a couple years ago he was a top three tight end. Now he still has that potential. He, he's coming off missing six games last year, and so that's going to be tough for him coming in. But I think overall the Raiders, they're a much improved team, and that's saying a lot for a team that went to the playoffs last year. But I think this is a very good team that's going to compete in this division. Yes, the Chargers got better by getting Khalil Mack. Yes, the Chiefs still have Patrick Mahomes. Uh, yes, the Broncos went out and got Russell Wilson, but this is a very good offense that also improved on the defensive side of things. And they won 10 games last year. So when I look at the betting lines for this Vegas Raiders team, I see an over under eight and a half and I'm finding it very tough to pick a side here. And it's not that I don't think the Raiders have the potential to win 10 games. I also think if they go two and four in the division, they could very easily finish a seven and 10 season. So they are the long shot to win this division. Uh, can't, they're the fourth place. Let, let's call it what it is. Everyone thinks Kansas City, the Chargers, and Denver are better than the Raiders heading into the year. But they have some games on their schedule that I think are gettable. And I'm not putting it past Derek Carr coming off the best year of his career to have a really good season. Now, they open with the Chargers. That's never going to be easy. But And to be honest, their first five weeks, we could see the Raiders being one and four, two and three, since they have the Cardinals, they've got the Titans, the Broncos, and the Chiefs. So if all goes according to plan and you're above 500, awesome. You think the Raiders are going to be great this season. It's that next stretch of six games that I think is crucial for whether they're a playoff team or whether we're talking about them potentially being the odd man out in the AFC West to make the playoffs. You got the Texans at home. You play the Saints on the road. You play the Jags on the road, the Colts at home, and then the Broncos and Seahawks both on the road. So we are talking about four road games, but this is a stretch that they should be going above 500. You chalk it up as, okay, maybe you lose at mile high. Maybe you lose at home to the Colts, but there's no reason that you shouldn't be going and winning four of those six games. They do that, they're in a phenomenal spot, not only to hit the over eight and a half, but make the playoffs. Now, once they get through that stretch of games, December's going to be a grind. You're going to play the Chargers, the Rams, the Patriots at home, and then the Steelers on the road. So play 500 football in December, and you're in an okay spot, because then you've closed the year at home against the 49ers and at home against the Chiefs. We saw last year they finished strong. You get a few home games down the stretch an easier road game against the Steelers. And I think there's some gettable games there. Now, minus 125, Vegas seems to think that the over is going to be there. I'm probably avoiding the win total here. But if you want to sprinkle potentially them to make the playoffs, you can get some plus money value there in a very tough AFC. 
Maybe they do go nine and eight and they sneak in as the seven. Maybe they go 10 and six and they're the five or six seed. But I think this is a very good Raiders group and I don't want to rule them out entirely. I just don't know if I have it in me to necessarily bet the over here as much as Vegas thinks that it's going to happen. Now, looking from a fantasy perspective, this is a loaded team. This is a team that you could go a variety of different ways of having a Raiders player on your roster. Speaking of Derek Carr, for example, you know, he's just a, just behind Trey Lance. I think that's more so just the offense that Lance is in. He's probably in the best situation of all the second-year quarterbacks to have a good year. But he is just ahead of Kirk Cousins, which feels right. Derek Carr, I trust more than Kirk Cousins, both from a regular season perspective and a fantasy perspective. Now, he has the weapons. He's coming off a year where he was top five in passing yards. He was a great fantasy option. So I think that Derek Carr, if you punt if you punt QB down the road, he's a great choice. I'd rather draft him than either of those two guys that I mentioned. And you might be in your fantasy draft in around 9 or 10, and maybe you punted it a little bit too late because I'd prefer to have the Staffords, the Dax, the Bradys, the Rodgers. Maybe you just miss on those guys. You waited around too late. And I think Derek Carr is a great option that you can start confidently most weeks and feel good about it. So that's where I view Derek Carr from a fantasy perspective this year. Now, Josh Jacobs, his ADP, they've got him late fourth round, early fifth round. His ADP is 48. Now, when we're talking the range that he's going in, Brees Hall and Travis Etienne, that's who he's behind. He's ahead of Antonio Gibson. Gibson looks a little bit banged up. But we're talking about a running back that has been banged up the last number of years. He's missed time essentially every year that he's played. Now, they haven't been season-ending injuries. But if you're looking for Josh Jacobs to be your second running back, maybe that's not the right option. If he's your third guy, that's fine. Play him at your flex spot. You'll probably get 12, 13 games out of him. But we've seen that he consistently is going to miss a few games, and you have to be prepared for that if you're going to draft him in fantasy. Now, you may not love the situation Brees Hall is in with the Jets. Maybe you don't love Travis Etchen coming off the injury. But those are guys that maybe have a little bit more upside because you feel like they have the potential to play the full schedule. It sounds like Etienne coming off the injury, he's 100% ready to go. And Brees Hall looked great. Michael Carter might steal some touches early, but I think he wins out later in the year. Outside of that, you're probably not drafting Raiders running backs. Zamir White, the rookie that they drafted in the fourth round, he's going at 193. You probably don't have to draft him. If you do, you're stashing him and probably hoping for those Josh Jacobs weeks that he misses. But Kenyon Drake's still there as well, and he's going to be a waiver wire guy. He'll probably play a role in this offense. It's just how big of a role is that going to be? So that's my concern with the Raiders running backs. If there's one position that I would avoid with this team, it would be running back. Now, wide receiver, you got a top five wide receiver sitting there, and he's going to go in the first round. He's ADP 11. If you're very fortunate, he slips to you very early in the second round. But we're talking about the number two PPR wide receiver in fantasy last year. So why does he slip a little bit? Why is he behind the cups of the world, the Justin Jeffersons of the world? And I think it's just they're projecting that maybe he doesn't get force-fed quite as much from Derek Carr because of how his relationship with Rodgers was just, that's who he's always leaning on. And Derek Carr doesn't necessarily have to do that in this offense. You look at the Packers the last number of years, there's a reason why Rodgers was pissed. He wasn't getting any weapons brought in. 
And so he was having to go to Devonte as much as possible. Now that's not a bad thing when you've got Devonte freaking Adams, but now he's in an offense where there's other guys that are going to be targeted and D- teams are going to key in on Devonte more. So um, Jamar Chase is going ahead of him still coming off his great rookie year. But if you're late in the first round and you want to do the, the wide receiver stack, Adams is a great option. I still think he's going to be a top five fantasy guy this year. Do I think he gets up into the number one or number two range? I don't think so. I think it's more so the tail end of the top five, but I don't think it's a bad option if you're drafting Devonte in fantasy. Easy to say when it's a first round pick. Usually there aren't too many bad ones of those, but if you're going to have that guy be your workhorse in fantasy. Now Hunter Renfro is the real value play here. ADP 88, he's around 7'8 guy. He was number 11 in fantasy last year from a PPR perspective for wide receivers. Now, do I see him replicating that this year? Probably not. You bring in Devontae Adams, obviously you're going to lose some targets, but look at some of the guys that he's being drafted around. Do you trust Gabriel Davis, the number two in Buffalo, who's coming off one career game and we don't know what he's going to be with this Bills offense? You're looking at Devontae Smith in that Eagles offense where they brought in A.J. Brown. They've got guys like Rieger. Are you trusting that with Jalen Hurts at the helm? You got Elijah Moore with Zach Wilson, who's already banged up. Do you love that option more? Do you like even Traylon Burks? He should play a factor in that Titans offense. They don't have a lot of weapons outside of him and Robert Woods, but he's got Ryan Tannehill there. So we're talking about a great slot receiver on a good team that's competing for a playoff spot. And I think there's plenty of value there. I think Hunter Renfro, he could get to 90 catches, close to 100 catches. I think he's going to be that guy that gets five or six catches consistently every single week. So from a fantasy perspective, especially PPR, I definitely think that Hunter Renfro has a ton of value. Now, tight end position. Darren Waller, you're talking early fourth round, maybe late fourth round guy. Now, he's behind Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, and George Kittle. I don't agree with him being behind Kyle Pitts in that offense, but nonetheless, we are talking about a guy that he was 17th in PPR last year because he missed six games. So the question is, can Darren Waller stay healthy? And if you're going to take a fourth-round pick on Darren Waller, yeah, if he plays a full schedule, then that's a steal. But would you rather have Kelsey? Would you rather have Andrews? Would you rather have Kittle? You got to maybe draft a round earlier to get some of those guys, maybe two rounds earlier. But I don't think that's a terrible option. But if for whatever reason, Darren Waller falls to you in the fifth round, I love it. I think if he's a fifth round guy, you're ecstatic. I don't see that happening very often. I see a lot of guys getting two running backs or a wide receiver or vice versa. And then they see Darren Waller and they're like, heck yeah, I got my tight end and they're going to move on. So he's most likely to be there in the fourth. If you feel like you have some good running backs and receivers early and you feel like you want to take a shot so you don't have to worry about tight end week to week, then maybe Darren Waller's your guy. Would I still go out and get the Noah Fants, the Dawson Knox, the Mike Gesickis to back him up? Yes, because I feel like he will miss a little bit of time. How much time has yet to be determined. So that's the Raiders from a fantasy perspective. Now, what do we call a successful year for the Las Vegas Raiders this year? Like, what are their expectations? Now, this may not be a fair expectation, but I think given the moves that they made, they've now put themselves in a position where the expectation is you have to make the playoffs at minimum and you have to make the divisional round. It's not good enough just to get into the wild card game. I get it. You're in a very tough division, 
Broncos just loaded up with Russell Wilson. The Chargers added Cleo Mack on defense. You still got Patrick Mahomes with the Chiefs. But this is a team that they have to make the playoffs. And the over-under 8.5 that I'm unsure of, they have to get to 10 wins. You don't go out and make some of the signings that they made, the guys like the Chandler Jones, or going out and giving up draft capital and an extension to Devontae Adams. You don't make those moves unless you believe you can make the playoffs. How many more playoff runs does Derek Carr have in him? How much longer can they have Josh Jacobs be the running back? We're already seeing it in the NFL where running backs are not playing a long time. And so they're going to have to address that likely in the coming years, given his injury history. So this is a team that's built to win now. Darren Waller's getting up there as well. Uh, even Adams isn't young. Like he, he is on the, the back nine of his career. So the expectation is you have to win you have to win 10 games. You have to get into the into the playoffs. After that, anything can happen. You can draw the Colts, and then you're thrilled. You're like, heck yeah, I feel like that's a team that we can beat. Don't know if they can, but they probably believe more that they can beat the Colts than they can beat the Buffaloes, the Kansas Cities, the Bengals, the Ravens. And yes, matchups are obviously going to play a factor. We've said it on previous episodes, but that is the expectation for this Las Vegas Raiders team. It's not good enough to be fourth in the division. They have to be in the playoffs this year. Otherwise, you have to call this year a failure. Even if you make the playoffs and you lose opening weekend, you're going to feel like you made all those moves to, to be right where you were last year. So that's my expectations for Vegas. It may not be fair, but they put themselves in that spot with the moves that they made, and they have to live with it now. So thank you, everyone who tunes in every single day to our show uh, another NFL team preview in the books, number 17, 15 more to go, gearing up for fantasy football drafts for the NFL season. We're super excited, and we're excited that you tune in every single day. So we'll see you guys tomorrow for the Daily Competitive Hedge podcast.